Welcome to Divorce Diary Show podcast. In today's episode, I have the divorce rabbi, coach, healer, great person. He's a dad. He's all of this stuff. Noam Rauscher. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this. Let's do it. Come visit. It would be so fun to hang out with us. <laughs> Welcome, Noam Rauscher. Thank God Rauscher. you got my first name right. I was afraid to say your last name. Welcome, Noam Rauscher. This is Divorce Diary Show podcast. I totally fucked up my own intro. I don't care because that's what this show is about. It's about being- Get it, Gina. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. Guys, we have the divorced rabbi here tonight, and he does a bunch of wonderful things in the divorce community and beyond. He has a ton of podcasts that I'd love for you to kind of give your own intro because I was doing a lot of research on you, and now I just don't want to fuck it up. So, Noam- Welcome, Noam, everybody. And Noam, can you tell everybody a little bit about you and what you are doing for the divorce community? Is research the professional ways of saying stalking? stalking. I knew you were going to go for that. Is, yes. that. is that what that is? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I do call it research, actually. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, so my name is Noam Rauscher. I'm an ordained rabbi. I do a lot of teaching now, but I also do coaching as well. Uh, I find that coaching is a great way for me to articulate myself and to help people through a lot of different situations. I do spiritual coaching and divorce coaching as well. Um, The the spiritual coaching is really for everyone. And frankly, so is the divorce coaching. But my niche for divorce coaching is for men uh, and particularly helping them walk through divorce with a sense of strategy and confidence and dignity as well, particularly when they feel blindsided and abandoned in divorce. Uh, and, um, I've tried to create some opportunities just to, you know, give voice to the things that I'm really interested in. So I have the Jewish divorce project, uh, with someone that I met, uh, on Bumble actually during the pandemic, we'd started this podcast after meeting on Bumble. We didn't date or anything like that. She lives in another state. You've been on the show. You've met Sheva. She's fantastic. Um, uh, but we, uh, we have a really good time on the podcast and, um, yeah, it's a blast. It's been a lot of fun putting that together and giving me a chance to really kind of grow and express myself and, and find a voice for divorce. Uh, and then, um, I've also been really into men's work for the last few years. I mean, I want to say since 2018, I've been doing men's work and part of a men's group. And so, um, I wanted to create a podcast in which I could voice some of those things that I've learned and, and uh, feel like could be feel like could be really helpful to people. Um, so that's called the Human Podcast. In order to, that. what'd you say? I was listening to it this weekend. Oh, was it good? Did you like it? It was good. I was. It was always. I. I was laughing because I'm gonna bust on you. I'm like, why does he always have these female co-hosts? I was like, does he fuck them? I'm totally. No. I know you have it. Oh my it. god. But no, I-, I have to bring this up because I'm like, I was. You know, I'm gonna take risks with Noam, and if he doesn't like it, I could totally delete the recording. <laughs> no, it's okay. But- but I felt like there was, t- I was like, well, she- uh, Sheva, right? Okay. She yeah. totally, I really like her. And she totally threw me a little shade because I was late because I was on my live, but you got the date wrong, Noam, just so you know. <laughs> I got kept- the date wrong. No, I didn't. You did it. You put 2021. So I looked and I was like, oh, it's 20- it's April 11th. As opposed- but it was- Wait a second, like- but it's still in April of, tw- why would I say 2021? Would it be taking your DeLorean back in time? 
<laughs> I can't believe you just used a Back to the Future reference. I love it. Well, wait. So she, I was, I was like, okay. So Shosheva and then the other girl, and I was like, who the hell? He has all these female. No, no. no I think, I, but I think the fe- the female voice is actually one that's really good counterbalance to all these yeah. things, right? I don't think there should be a bubble involved. And and admittedly, I've of thought that maybe not. the the human podcast should be like an all guys thing, but at the same time, I think women have a really wonderful thing to say. So yeah, I had Joy originally as my co-host, and then. Um, that wasn't working too well and so oh, I he's not on yeah no no, no. It, it, the later episodes have all been with uh, this wonderful woman named Crystal Morris um, who focuses a lot also on um, uh, um, kind of this new age you know medically induced um, hallucinogenic trips and whatnot for people um, so yeah so she's a wonderful partner to have on on these conversations Crystal is fantastic so wait, I have a question. So, so this is awesome. This is great. So you do a lot yeah. of things, guys. He's got podcasts, spiritual advisor. I was listening to your background. So I was listening to the first episode of the Human Podcast to get a little bit of background on you, like and why you became a rabbi. And I love that you were at a, a he was at a hospital in a mental health hospital, right? I was working there. Let's be clear. I was working at the <laughs> Yale Psychiatric Hospital. Yes. Working, not okay. There's That's a big cool. difference between saying being there and working there. Let's just be clear about that. Yes, I have. I <laughs> Yes, but I thought that was great. And I, I liked hearing more of that story. I thought, wow, I have so many questions about because I wanted to be in a I wanted to do drama therapy a few years ago. And I was studying in a psychiatric hospital. Yes, in a psychiatric as a patient hospital. or a professional. Well, maybe both at some point. I Who think knows? you could fit in easily. <laughs> I do. I, that's why I always teach uh, in self-contained classrooms with theaters because I fit in, in, in the... By that, you mean padded walls? There's cozy cushions, okay? <laughs> cozy corner. So you have a very diverse background. I was very interested about the spiritual lens as well as the counseling lens that combine. And I wanted to pick your brain in a little bit about what I tip, t- tend to do in my life that may be holding me back from from being more effective in my work, right? So yeah. when, I know we talked offline about like, oh, if you ever want advice from a rabbi, and I was like, well, I would love to learn more about the, you know, uh, the Jewish faith and all that stuff down the road because I was raised Catholic and it's, I'm Italian Catholic and we are always apologizing. Basically Jewish. Okay, so we had this joke. So my, I, I told my mom, I'm interviewing a divorced <laughs> rabbi and she's like, just so you know, I just told her I'm interviewing. A just divorced- so you know, Gina. She goes, just so you know, they'll never see you as a true Jew. <laughs> as a true Jew. <laughs> I was like, I'm not converting. What are you talking? She goes, if I you start you, dating. I love your family. Because she's like, she would, <laughs> she would die if like I said that. But I was like, you know what? Because my mom was like, if you ever date, a, even when I was a kid, she's like, if you ever date a Jewish guy, they're never going to really see you. I said, who Because they're so old school. And the funny thing is, and my dad would always say, well, if you do. You do marry a Jewish guy. Jesus was a Jew. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? And then my my ex husband, his last well, I should I'm gonna say his last name, but his don't say his last name. People can. Is he Jewish? Was he Jewish? Well, his bloodline is his father was Jewish. Oh. Right. So like I and I his grandparents were Jewish, but his he was raised Catholic because his mom was Irish Catholic and she was seen as like never good enough for their son, even though the father like cheated on the mother. It was like a whole thing. Oh my God. We call that Michigas. 
What is it called? We call that Michigas when like Michigas. there's just a whole big mess. It's a Michigas. What do you? <laughs> I love that. So what do you call? Uh, like someone like me who's high strung, excited about very small things, but like also overreactive. What What is a, a Hebrew term for, for me? I mean, I would, there's, these are Yiddish terms, but we would say you're Meshuggah. A Meshuggah? Meshuggah. <laughs> That's not good though, right? I mean, Meshuggah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you're crazy. You got a lot going on, Gina. Meshuggah. <laughs> Meshuggah. I love it. Okay. So Meshuggah. So you have all these wonderful, uh, uh, you know, avenues to filter out how to help people through divorce and and those who are just kind of needing self-help, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of people are also, I think, um, trying to weigh their, find their way through challenges that life brings them, just natural challenges, right? That could be, right, the basic ones that come from, let's say, like divorce, right? Major transitions in their lives that are unexpected. Life throws you a curveball or unemployment or even the pandemic, right? There was a lot of spiritual coaching that went on there because we just had all this open time and people didn't know what to do with it. So it was kind of like, what do you do with all this open space? And for a lot of people, right, a a very spiritual and and often religious term is this idea of wilderness, right? This kind of boundless, borderless area, right? That is undefined um, and almost anything can happen. And so what do you do when you're wandering through something like that, right? This is what the Israelites did. But what do you do when you're wandering through something like that? How do you make the most of it, right? What can it teach you about yourself? And so the pandemic was actually, I don't want to say wonderful. It wasn't wonderful by a lot, by a long shot. Neither was the quarantine for a lot of people. But for those of us that I think were just trying to get through it, right? Those of us who are healthy, who didn't necessarily have to worry about contracting COVID, who are just trying to, you know, manage homeschooling and all that stuff and working from home, I think the the very base level of it, um, you know, there were still a lot of questions and confusions about what do you do with all that open space? And so, you know, helping people figure out like just using the time well and using the open space well and and how do I deal with all this stuff was, was a big deal of my work during that period. And I think that's where we were all struggling of how we fit into this space where we're, if, especially I, my role as actor or teacher, I can't have to be in front of somebody, right? And right. so that, I think that the, the beauty in that is that you can find ways to help people now through a different paradigm. And I love that because it connected me with so many wonderful people. I, I love social media and creating content. And I think that um, I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan and uh, Ed Milet, yeah. and they, they're all about positive mindset and finding the uh, the beauty in the struggle, right? So I love that you're also in these different, these podcasts, especially your, the, I think, which one was I listening to that it was, uh, it, it might've been the sex, you guys had a sex therapist on one of the Jewish, uh, on the divorce. Uh, yeah, we've had a couple of those, yeah. Uh, oh, you have, I listened to one of them. I thought it was great. The then sex and dating episodes are the ones that get the highest rating and listenership. I mean, like we could talk about the depression that goes out of the divorce or the isolation or dealing with a bad ex or whatever it is. The sex and dating episodes are always the ones that get most popular. Because everybody wants, I believe that most humans, if not all want human touch, sex, feel sex, right? sex, right? Yeah. And then also there's insecurities with sex. Like I, so I was listening to that episode and then I was very intrigued by, I'm going to, I don't remember the term that she said that you have to take the bath and you can't even have a hair. And I was like, I would never, ever oh, be the mikvah. Yeah. The, the ritual mikvah. bath. Yeah. So in uh, the divorce series, uh, TV series, we're writing the final finale episode of season one and she meets, we're, we're trying to put a little bit of a barrier between real Michelle and Michelle in the show. Sure. And she meets a younger guy who's Jewish mm. and, 
I said to my producer, I was like, well, should I make it? Because he's also writing the episode with me this last episode. I said, should I make it so that like, she's like, I don't know if like, I could like, we should make it so that there's going to be so many issues because he's neat freak. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, and then the fact that like all this stuff. So I was intrigued by this, this conversation. And then I also like the fact that you're very open about your journey. I don't, I don't feel like a lot of men talk about, um, I have had male friends talk about anxiety and depression, yeah. but they like you said it on your that one of the episodes. Oh, so, so maybe it wasn't the sex episode that I heard it on. You said that, or you might even yeah, you said that you take antidepressants or you have taken them. Yeah, so I love that you say that because not men, many men want to share that, and they need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean share it, but like they they don't they're not honest about it. I've been with a lot of men that are like. I haven't been with a lot of men, but the men that I've been with, majority of them have maj- like major, uh, you know, flaws. You, oh, look, I mean, de- depression is no stranger to men, right? It is just something that we kind of fall into, whether it's chemical or circumstantial. And for me, a lot of it's circumstantial. Um, you know, it's just kind of like the circumstances that I'm in aren't ones that really particularly bring me joy. And so my natural disposition is to go into depression and, and using antidepressants has always been a way to get through it. Um, and certainly so is therapy. And so is my men's group. And so is just kind of getting out of the house and working out and not letting the depression control my life. Because there are certainly days where I'll lay in bed and be like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going to the gym, right? I'd rather not do that. And then the part of me that would rather not listen to that voice says, go to the gym anyway, right? And just spend... 20 minutes on the treadmill, right? It's not like you have to do a big workout, but you just need to get your body moving and your blood flowing. Um, And I think, you know, like there's a lot of shit out there that men could face um, and that they do face, right? Which causes them to fall into depression rather easily, right? I mean, there's a lot of societal pressure for men to be producers um, and women are equally responsible in creating that circumstance as well, because it's just a patriarchal dynamic that we're dealing right. with, right? Women like to be supported. I don't want to say that generally is true for all women, right? But generally the role, right, that women tend to play is when they're in typical traditional male-female relationships is that the man has to be the one who produces things for the family. He's generally got the higher salary, he's got to bring home the bacon, so he spends a lot of time at the office, Right. And if that doesn't necessarily work out, then he hasn't fulfilled his role as a man. And so, you know, it's easy for guys to fall into this position of, well, what really is my worth? And if a man gets cheated on, right, that's even worse to say that, like, well, I couldn't have been, you know, really bringing her any pleasure, any type of joy in her life. And so, of course, my worth is equally, you know, detracted as a result of that. Uh, And so there's just a lot of pressure that guys face as a result of their circumstances that that allows for divorce to creep in, I think, rather easily. And so going to therapy on a regular basis or um, taking medication, you know, in my case, I do both. I've kind of weaned off the therapy at this point because I'm just, I was doing it for so long. And my therapist even said, I don't think you need this anymore. Yeah, my therapist did too, because I I didn't finish paying my bill, but. um... Yeah. But it's funny how, you know, how many guys will kind of, um, they'll, they'll try to say that like, they don't need therapy, but they need something else. There's a really funny comic. He's getting so much popularity. I I apologize. I can't remember his name, Um, but he has this really funny joke about how he's got a friend, a guy friend who's getting divorced for the second time. And he says to his friends, you know, maybe you you should go to therapy. And he says, nah, running, that's my therapy. Right. And so the comic says, oh, that's interesting because sushi, that's like my haircut. 
Uh, and so, um, you know, like you have to really, if you're going to go to therapy, you have to go to therapy, right? You can't say that something else is therapy. Therapy is therapy. There's nothing like it. Oh yeah. And that could 100%. be the thing that really end up saving your life. Well, a hundred percent. I, I'm a big advocate for therapy. I also dealt with a lot of, uh, I, my twin brother has mental health issues. So he, and, and I'm not really speaking with him right now. So like therapy was a big part of our lives. So, but it was also like Italians were like, Back in the ni- late 80s, early 90s, it was like, you, it was okay, but it wasn't super big out there yet. And with my family, they were like, don't tell anybody. And and it would be like horrific because we were hiding all this like really bad stuff that was going on. So I, from early age, I was always like in, some around, somewhat around therapy and saw how we had to hide things with the therapy. Then we could expose them. And now I date like men that are almost, and I really haven't dated anyone in a long time. I guess I just get attracted to at this point, men that have legit, I, and I am not a doctor, but I can tell they are either depressed or dealing with something very bad. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Because I literally went on a date with someone a couple, a couple weeks ago, with a, he was really, he's a friend and he's, he's a, in the same interest. He's a comic. We met through my manager because we did a gig a couple years ago. He, is this the guy who says, I like my women, like I like mine and allows people to no, like throw Oh out no, that guy is. is hysterical. No, I just reshared it. That was so oh. funny. He's oh, funny, right? So Darren? funny. I, this guy, is, so, I mean, I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast, but he was in my pilot and he played one of the guys and we were friends mm-hmm. and Okay, so we can transition a little bit into the next part, which is where you would maybe, you know, you're not going to give me your advice because I'm not your client, but you can suggest or whatever, whatever. Give me advice. Yeah, whatever let's do you that. Want. Let's so, do that. so with this guy, I was like, I'm attracted to him enough to like see where this goes in a way of like, let's go on a date. But he didn't really ask me on a date. We hung out as friends once. He's like, let's do this again. I was like, okay. His dad had died in in December. Oh, I I was supported. Rough. Yeah, like I supported him coming to see his Broadway show and then they, I couldn't go because dad died. It was a whole thing. So we go out to dinner and he's like, let's do it again. I come back from Richmond where he calls me the phone. He's like, I'll pick mm-hmm. you up tomorrow. Okay. And I'm like, is this a date? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I should have just asked. But at that point I was like, I can Well, just- generally if you're going out with another guy and there's nothing else to talk about, but like everything else, right? Then like, yeah, it's a date, whether it's over coffee or over drinks, it's a date. Okay, but we were, we've been friends. And friends so then, can't go out on a date. Okay, so there you go. Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, then we're going to, he made it, well, he, he, he comes to pick me up and he's like, I made a reservation. I was like, oh, fuck, it is a date. And, and then I, I was wearing like short shorts and I was wearing a <laughs> tank top. Yes. And a tube, <laughs> a tube top bra and my see through so tank top. I was like, fuck it, I want to be comfortable. So, and I literally didn't have the extra money to spend. I, I went to Tech Budget this summer. I was like, I usually, when Grace is with her dad, spend every moment working, creating content. I don't really, that's my enjoyment. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to take this time to hang out with Grace. Okay. We go on the date, go away for a drink after the, the first of all, we split the bill, whatever. Okay. And because I offered. I've done that on dates. That's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um. In the mindset of that, I date a lot of Latin guys who were like, no, you better not pay. You know, like, they're like, "Uh uh-uh. You know, but they haven't, the ones that I've dated have also not really supported being there after the date. So 
he so we go to another place for a drink near my house then he drops me off he brings me home and he's like can i kiss you because at this point we're a little touchy feely you know when you're like feeling out you're starting and to you still didn't realize it was a date at that point no i did touching each I other did. did you touch his arm that's apparently like the universal cue we were touching but i also at this point was like i'm not sure if i could go past kissing i don't know if i'm there and okay. it's not to say he because honestly mentally and emotionally i'm shot and i'm just like we'll see I'm not jumping in bed. I'm not doing any of that. I just, and so we get back. He, oh, the next thing you know, he's helping you take off your tube top. No, no, no. That would have been the ex that I think I told you about that. I remember when I did your podcast and yeah. I talked about the cop, the cop yeah. who I yeah. stayed at his house in two hours. I hooked up with him right when that was airing. He had just left the day before. I was like, oh, this is really not a good pattern. That was when he said, damn, Gina. Okay, but oh, Gina. Yeah, because it, he's cup familiar. And it was like, yeah. I just want to have yeah. sex. And I know I still have emotional connection where it'll be good enough. Yeah. But yeah. it was like, uh, this just opened up a can of worms. So with that said, with, with him, it was, I actually just like to see where this goes. So he pulls up to the house. And then he asks me, can I kiss you? And I'm like, sure. And that was nice, he asked. But then it was like, you could tell he wanted to go in more. And I, 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 I mean, I, it was more than just a peck on the lips. Yeah, it was like a make out. But I was like, okay. Mm. And then, and then. It, Wait, I, tongue I, involved? There was tongue? Open lips, yeah. tongue? All that stuff? <laughs> there, was, there was, you know, over the lips, tongue. But it wasn't like, ugh, like, you know. Did he put his hand like on the back of your neck or anything like that and pull you in? Yeah, like he he was trying to go for my legs. He's like, "Can I touch your leg? Can I touch your breast? Touch your touch your." Well, he was asking for all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, asking for the kiss is one thing, but like, ask like, what are we playing operation here? So I think he thought I was gonna feel like I was taking advantage. I was like, I had told him that a you story were, that you were being taken advantage of. I think he was like just afraid that I was gonna like misinterpret something because I told him a story about another. You misinterpret someone saying, "Can I touch your boobs?" I guess, I don't know, because he just wanted to, oh, so there was a car behind us, and I live in a one-way street, there's no parking, it's a divorce street, I call it. Sure. <laughs> so, so he's like, can I come in or park somewhere? And that's when I was like, no. I was like, no, I was like, I have to like take this slow with you, I like you. I do actually oh, like you. okay. Didn't hear from him after that. But you told him that, you said, I like you. So you said, we can kiss, we can slip a little tongue, but like, there's going to be no legs and no boobs because I like you. Well, it was awkward because then I was like, yeah, sure. You can touch my leg. And then he was touching my leg. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he was sort of touching here. And I was like, okay. And then um, I was like, well, let's take this slow. And then I kissed him again. I was like, okay, <laughs> get home safely. And then I texted him three times while he was driving home. <laughs> What were you texting him? Let me see what I texted him. <laughs> this was I wrote, recent? This yeah. Recent. Well, not, no, not super recent. Um, I wrote, uh, thank you. Oh, I said, thank you for a fun evening. I hope you're not disappointed. I really like you and would like to see you again. I have a history of letting men in and basically way too sure. fast and getting to know you is very nice. And I'd like to continue doing that. He wrote, no problem. I had fun. Hold on. I don't think you did anything wrong. That sounds it's all, like it's all yeah. him. Right. So then I, I didn't hear from him a week later. I said, hey, how's your week going a week later? I didn't care about messaging him. Like, I usually care about that. So, but he should message me. But him and I have been friends for like two years. So mm -hmm. how'd you meet? Uh, through work. We wrote sure. the same comedy show. Gotcha. 
And, um, and like I said, like he worked in, he's in the pilot. Mm -hmm. And so I just felt like, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey, then he wrote, is he but good? Uh, and that was it. And then I, I asked him the next week, I was like, um, I said, Hey, sorry to bother you again. If you're around this weekend, would you be able to give me a call? And he called me immediately. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I asked, I said, so what, what's up? Like, I feel like, are you, you don't want to touch my boobs anymore? Right. <laughs> he immediately went into how he just wants to be friends and he thought about it. He's like, I thought about it and you're really oh, sweet and you're really, yeah. Okay. So when I get your opinions, he goes, I, he's, this is his words verbatim. He said, I think you're a really sweet girl. Mm-hmm. First of all, motherfucker, I'm a four-year-old woman. Anyway. Yeah. I, it's weird I, calling 40-year-old women girls. I don't call anyone over 30 girls. I mean, I'd have a problem with whatever he called me at this point, but that's <laughs> so, fair. I get him. yeah, so, that's fair. So he's like, I think you're really sweet. I just want to be your friend. I said, but okay. I mm-hmm. said, but I don't want friends with benefits. That's why I was like, don't come in. He's like, well, right. I don't want, he's like, I don't want that either. He's like, so what I does said, he want? Right. He, I said, he's like, it's just not the right time. And I felt like saying, when is it? When you join Jenny Craig, fat ass, you 500 pounds. But I didn't say that. What? I know. Damn, true. Gina. I go for the jugular. He's yeah, that was intense. I know that's mean. Why would you do say, that? I didn't say that to emasculate someone like that. My God. I didn't look, say that. I mean, it's not, look, it sounds like that he, that on that date, he wanted sex, right? Like, yeah, he was, absolutely. like, it sounds like he was hoping with like, you know, can I touch your legs? Can I take your breasts? Right. You know, can we do a little P and V? Right. And then still be friends, that sort of thing. Um, Especially he, now, if he's kind of like all wishy-washy about it. Well, I, I know that's what he wanted, which which is in my like no, I can't. I don't let things go. This like this like vengeful place. Sometimes I feel like, well, fuck you. You know that men have done that to me before. I've talked to you about it, and now you're fucking doing the same thing to me. I wanted to call him out on it, but I as he talked, I just didn't say anything, and I said okay, and I hung up on him. Ooh. I said okay, bye. And I haven't heard from it. I told my manager because my, my manager is, uh, I said, I told him we were going out and he's like, I, you know, he would never get involved with in between the two of us because mm-hmm. we're both his clients. But he's like, well, that's really fucked up. I was like, well, it is what it is, but I am not talking to him anymore because he yeah. just, he, so that mixed with like last year I had that whole thing, like with the producer and I just, I, I get stuck on thoughts. And then I think. I know our time, the Zoom is is extending till six minutes, but if we need to, we could repress the Zoom link. But right. where this is, I can never like seem to like let go, right? And I've tried, everyone's like, oh, let go, let go. Physically, sometimes I can like let go. Like when you, you know, burn. You're talking and, emotionally though? I can't. And, and why, I- also, Why having a hard time letting go of this guy? Because I've been in that position. Not just him. Like the producer guy last year, that was very hard still- I really can't. yeah and like for him he was a friend that asked me to do the his podcast and then i got friendly with him they all have podcasts we all have, we, we all do and and with they all and, have podcast coco what they all have podcast coco what, where is that from <laughs> that's a that's a reference to uh is it flash dance i don't think it's flash. no it's not flash dance. i can't even remember the name of the movie but like when they're at that school right oh I know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. And she goes for the audition. She goes on the couch and is like, dig off your shirt. And she's like really awkward about it. <laughs> What's that movie? Damn it. It's like a classic. 
All right, we have to flash it. If you know what movie that is, please email me at Divorce Diary Show. Oh, man. And they're like hot lunch jam because they're all in the cafeteria and they're singing about like the lunch. What is it? Fame. Fame. I was just going to say But that's an older. I'm going to live forever. forever. So. So these guys, like the guy situation, if I get connected or I feel emotional connection, and it's always the same guy that has these like flaws. Like the producer guy was like, we're going to be friends for life. Um, I, and I would tell him like, well, I feel like there's more here. You call me every night. He's like, well, we you never friends met. for life. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Like he's right away. Like we, we were just friends. He, How did you meet these guys? Through, the producer was the produ- like you met him because of something with your show. He found me. The producer right. found me on Instagram and asked me to do his podcast, and I did. And when I talked with him, I felt I was like, "Well, I feel like I've known you for years." And and uh, <laughs> he saw that I was raising money for my pilot, right? And he's like, "I've done a few things. Look me up, mm-hmm. and, right?" I I've look- done a couple of podcasts. So he actually has done a, a stuff, and I was that like, makes oh. me a producer." Okay. But, but but my friend Doug, who you've seen, is always like, oh, be careful, this guy. When we were in L.A., uh, I, he ended up, it was actually really nice. I was like, oh, he really does like me. He had me stay with him. We had this whole romance. He came to the show. He had his friends come. And then when I got home, mm-hmm. someone on his Instagram, he did like a whole little post about me. And then someone on, one of the women podcasters wrote, I wish I was there. So I said, well, what the fuck Uh-oh. is that mean? Uh-oh. <laughs> Who the fuck Uh-oh. is this bitch? I got some Jägermeister in me. No, I wasn't even drunk. I definitely was not drunk. I, I said, well, what does that mean? Because I'm your friend. And like, is this girl your friend too? And he did like posts with this chick for it's a lot OG of things. a moment. What? <laughs> it's an OG moment right there. For sure. I was like, what kind of friendship do you have with this bitch? And I'm not, it's not even her. It's like him. He's, he, and he was a lie. And long story short, cut to, he just, all I really wanted him was for him to be like, I am sorry I misled you or I hurt your feeling. Because I said to him, at one point, I'm like, look, you know I wanted more. I told you flat out. And you told me flat out you just wanted friendship. And then when we meet in person and you're whining and dining me and you're having me stay with you and you're schlepping me all over Cali- like Southern California, you're expecting me not to think that there's something there. And right. I was like, I felt something with you. He's like, don't tell me how I feel. What? And like, you know when you can feel with someone. It doesn't sound like you were telling him how he felt. It sounds like you were telling him how you felt. Well, I had said to him, I could feel you feeling for me. Like, I feel like you're afraid because we live far away. And he has ex-wife originally when... Uh-huh. They like they were long distance, and then the girlfriend before that was long distance. And oh wow! From what he told me, mm-hmm. you know, I also feel like a lot of the stuff he told me doesn't add up now. But you know, so and he had said, <clears throat> he had said to me, he's like, uh, I think the setup with him was that I really thought he was different, and and, and at the very end of it, I was like, oh, he was just really the same guy that I've fallen for in the last couple of years that it just, it shocked me in a way that really, I felt very depressed for months. I, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't use, like, I felt really shitty. Is and this the first guy you really felt something for post-divorce? He was the third guy. Third guy that you really felt. I mean, look, I, I think yeah. anytime you really feel something for someone post-divorce, it really hurts when it doesn't work out. 
I really yeah. do. I mean, like, I, I think, I, I, you know, I think at this stage in the game, right, you come from divorce and given your age and experience, you're just kind of like, all right, there are some relationships that aren't going to last some that are going to be casual, right? And you try to handle those with, with as much respect and maturity as possible. And then the I ones can't. in which you, I know you can't, um, hence the divorce diaries. Um, but <laughs> I think that, you know, the, the one, <laughs> wait before you continue so that our time doesn't run out click out and then click back in all right fine okay 